everybody. This is Joel Junker here with another episode of the Cameron Brooks podcast, Above and Beyond. And in this podcast, I interview Cameron Brooks alumnus Mike Burns. Uh, Mike is a former surface uh, Navy or Navy surface nuclear power officer, Naval Academy graduate with a degree in applied math. And I remember working with Mike very closely when he was making the transition. And, and uh, prior to him coming to his conference, he really thought he should only interview for engineering management positions because it was what most closely related with his education and his experience. With his applied math degree, I highly encouraged him to also consider analytical roles, especially things that would be maybe in the financial se- uh, sector. Today, he works at Chatham Financial, which is a company that is a un- blend of consulting as well as investment banking. And he's been promoted two times already in the last six years. In the podcast, he shares with uh, with us, the listeners, a little bit about what he does at Chatham and how he uses his experience. And then he, most importantly, he shares a model on how to manage one's career to include the importance of setting one-year, three-year, and five-year goals, finding opportunities to be uncomfortable, stepping outside of your um, your comfort area. It's okay to be, uh, be in areas with some uncertainty. The, uh, the key to finding mentors. Um, so he's just full of great, great advice. Obviously he's done it well, uh, in his career with being with Chatham and being promoted a couple of times already. So Mike offers great advice. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Mike, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you taking, um, as I said, when we were just beginning i appreciate you volunteering to be a part of this and I'm excited to have you on here um it's been a couple of years since you and i chatted but i know you're always uh super supportive of the uh, cameron brooks program and officers transitioning so thanks thanks for taking time this morning to do this yeah, thanks for uh, having me on really excited to uh to catch up and talk mike i think it's always helpful for the audience to hear a little bit about you uh i think you have a very unique career uh, the company that you work for, what you do. So why don't you tell uh, tell the the listeners or share with them like what you did in the military, when you transitioned, and uh, a little bit about Chatham, and then your your role at Chatham and what you work on because it's pretty it's, it's exciting and it's different. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I graduated uh, in 2007 from Annapolis and service selected uh, as a nuclear surface warfare officer. So for folks that are in the Navy, they'll probably know exactly what that is in the Air Force or the Army. I mean, it's you're, you're basically 50% engineer, 50% um, leading a team of anywhere from 50 to 100 folks. And I did that for about, call it just under seven years. And right around the tail end of 2013, I decided to make a transition out of the Navy. And I... Uh, partnered with Cameron Brooks and through the process there got connected with uh, a firm named Chatham Financial. Chatham Financial is a employee-owned risk advisory firm that specializes in the debt and capital markets for any industry that you really can think of. We, We specialize in private equity, financial institutions, corporates, and real estate. And maybe to decode that a little bit more, like what I do specifically, I'm a director within our corporates practice, and I work with public and private companies, helping them to think about 
risk to the enterprise stemming from anything from foreign currency to commodity to interest rate uh, volatility. And so it's a little bit of a blend of uh, management consulting in that it's a very conversational bringing clients as your stakeholders through a journey with you of you educating them on some concepts that aren't super familiar to them all the way to the point where we will actually go out into the markets and trade on their behalf to execute that strategy. So it's Chatham is a little bit unique, Joel, like you pointed out, it's uh, it's almost a hybrid between management consulting and investment banking in terms of the things that we do um, either at the end of an engagement or at the beginning of engagement. So very different from an engineering background uh, in the military for sure. Yeah, I'm curious for, you know, I've always actually been curious to this and Chatham has just uh, been a company that's been interesting to me since we've been working with them since, gosh, I think it's like year 2001, maybe it's been, it's been 18 to 19 years um, since we've worked with them. Um, do, are there other firms that are like this or is Chatham really a hybrid and the only one that's really truly doing something like this in your industry? I would say that in the United States, we are fairly unique in the both breadth and depth of services that we offer. Um, there are um, a wide number of both you know, your classic big four consulting firms as well as your management consulting groups that will have practices within them that will do some of the advisory elements that we do. There are also any number of technology firms out there that will work either in the enterprise risk platform, treasury management system, et cetera. So there certainly are elements of other companies that do technology like we do. Um, there are also, and there's probably a far smaller number of this, there are also just outsourced trading groups that will just enter into the market and trade on behalf of other firms like we do. In the United States, though, we are the largest firm by far that does all three of those to the level that we do. Internationally, there are a couple, particularly in the Eurozone. Um, we, we recently completed our first acquisition um, of the JCRA group, and that is part of Chatham's growth strategy to try and uh, maybe consolidate some of our competitors in other markets. But certainly in the United States, we're the, we're the largest at what we do. And yet you, you are privately held. The founders are still very much involved. And, have, and I've always looked at Chatham as a culture that reminds me a lot of Cameron Brooks as well. Yeah, we're we're 100% employee owned. Um, the the leadership team really, I'm trying to think, to a person has been at the firm in excess of 15 years. Most are close to 20. The firm was founded in the early 90s by Mike Bontrager, who is still the chairman of the board. Um, so we've uh, we have had a very strong retention of employees since the early days of Chatham. Um, it you know it, it is truly a unique firm in, in a lot of different ways. Well, I think that's good background, and we should really dive into the main topic that you you wanted to share with the the audience, and that being about making this transition. And and the, these are my words, not and you're going to use your own words, but making the transition and exploring your marketability, having some flexibility to explore all the potential fits out there. But that that's part of, part of that transition from the military to business. But there was also some other things that you wanted to bring into about in terms of the way you manage your career. So I'll let you just introduce the idea, the point, and I'd love to just engage in a dialogue with you about this. 
career management um, and transitioning and being open to opportunities. Yeah, no, I think that was something that for me when I was transitioning out of the Navy um, was something that was obviously an extremely new uh, bordering on foreign experience. You only leave the military once. Um, I, I guess that's not always true, but I can't think of anyone that's left twice. Um, and so there absolutely is a lot of uncertainty around do the skills that I have that I've had a chance to build and cultivate in you know, the military, how will those translate? And I think there is a fairly strong gravitational pull to try and find extremely analogous applications to what you did in the military to what you think you're going to be naturally successful out at in corporate America. And, you know, for me, I, I, I can still remember, you know, Joel, you and I have conversations and me telling you, I don't think I'm interested in finance. Um, <laughs> and I remember feeling like, you know, what I'm going to be good at is something that looks very similar to what I've been doing before. And so I gravitated more, at least in my mind, I did to you're going to be good at project management. You're going to be good at, you know, engineering. You're going to be good at, you know, things that felt like they had very high corollaries to the project management, operational centric team leadership that I did in the military. And I think being willing to really expand uh, the, you know, the field of vision almost in terms of like being willing to have a conversation with folks about other applications to skill sets that you have. Like I continue to be surprised by um, certain traits and attributes that I think military officers, uh, senior military leaders period, it doesn't have to be officers per se, but skills that you develop that are underrepresented and extremely valued in corporate America. And the applications of that will extend far beyond, I think, kind of what you're expecting them to be, if that makes sense. Absolutely. There's a lot of questions I'd like to take take in there. Maybe the one that you just said most recently, what, are, what do you feel are those skills that you see th that the military officer can bring to corporate America to make it a better place, to make your organization a better place? Yeah, no, I I think that's that's a, that's a great one to dig into more. Um, and this is something that I, you know, through some you know reflection, working with a lot of new hires. Um, I have a team of about five folks, and I work very actively with our, our recruiting and hiring process, and spend a lot of time with new hires, both interns and analysts. And one of the things that I tell them that I when I think back on, it's something that the military codes into you in some ways fairly directly, but maybe not as easy to kind of communicate externally, is this idea of having that, you know, flexibility to deal with ambiguity. It's not always gonna be crystal clear. You're not always gonna have a manager that tells you exactly what it is that they need you to do from nine to five. In fact, as a transitioning military officer, there will actually probably be an expectation that they don't have to tell you that. And there's going to be some element of you need to be able to go out and find ways for you to add value um, sort of within the purview of the role that they bring you in. So that ability to be somewhat of a self-starter, be autonomous, um, but also bring to the table a whatever-it-takes mentality. Um, I think more than any other industry I've ever worked in uh, or even had exposure to, uh, that whatever-it-takes mentality is not something that seems to come from uh, any group more consistently than the military. 
where there isn't this concept, at least in USS past life for me, where there, there wasn't this concept of we get to go home if the job's not done. Um, that does not mean that you need to come to your place of employment in corporate America with the, we're going to work 100 hours this week, but it just that simple mentality of, you know, we're not going to let this initiative, this project, this engagement go under because it just, it, it's not in our dialect. Uh, as military veterans, I don't think. And I think that's something that is extremely valuable in corporate America. And you just can't replicate it the same way the military has done. So, so good. I mean, I love that. I love how you framed that up. Um, and, you know, I think that there's the companies out there that should listen to that too, because there was, I don't want to get too far off topic because I want to stay on this, like, this transitioning piece that you talked about but you may have seen this post on LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn came out with this veteran opportunity report um, back on November 11th of 2019 on Veterans Day. And they surveyed, Mike, all these, um, they just surveyed all these veterans that are on LinkedIn, the majority of them being junior military officers. And the data that they came up with is that 70% take a step back in responsibility. Yeah, they take and then and then thirty three percent, one in three, describe being underemployed, meaning not intellectually challenged, not being developed, having limited upside, not using their skill set. Yeah, the the and the reason why is that most companies outside of civil service, outside of defense contractors, and then things that really relate like aviation industry outside of those because they, they hire for the function, not for the potential. And they get out into the, the, the Chathams of the world, the Exxon Mobiles, and you know, these companies actually hire JMOs, but companies like that, they don't get the veteran. They don't get the junior military officer. So they end up putting them in a position or in a path that doesn't utilize what you just said, the understanding the, the value that a, a veteran, a JMO, on the ability to deal with ambiguity to be a self-starter, to work autonomously, to do whatever it takes. And in your case, to do more than just engineering. You know, Chatham yeah. saw in you, like program management, project management, client-facing skills, analytical, critical thinking, not just in engineering. You may not have seen it right away, but they saw it, or we saw it, then they saw it. And you just bring up such a good point that if we can get more companies to see that, an industry, more veterans will end up not underemployed. Now, the value that we bring, and you talked a little bit about this in the beginning of, of, you know, you and I had a conversation about your different career fields. The value that we bring is we know how to get people in front of the companies that value you. And we also know how to, um, we know when we look at evaluate and work with somebody based on what you're interested in and what you're good at and what you've done in the military, the types of things you should explore. I'm not sure that, you know, you know, I always tell people, I'm not going to tell you where to go. You ultimately make that decision, but I am going to encourage you what you should explore to make a good decision. And so those are just two points I wanted to capitalize on. And we talked about that conversation. I said, well, I think you might want to look at some finance and analytical type of roles. And then the second point being, veterans really do bring a lot of value to corporate America. Yeah, and I think at least back when, when I was going through the transition with, uh, with the Cameron Brooks team, the, I think the way it was phrased is we're really looking to place you 
you know, as a Cameron Brooks candidate in those developmental roles. And I think, I don't know if that's still the language that's used today. I, I, I certainly took for, I took for granted what that meant um, in that I think in the military, you, um, you, you have a little bit of a, um, I just, uh, you, you take for granted the fact that the military manages the development for you. Um, you, you will promote after these wickets have been accomplished. These are what commands look like, both in terms of the, you know, the middle management, the senior management, the leadership, et cetera. And so there is this like sort of natural element of what development in the military looks like within your career pipeline. You really can map out a 20 year career um, almost day one. You kind of know what a successful career in, you know, the nuclear surface warfare officer community looks like or in the aviation community. Like the milestones have been sort of ingrained into that path. America is not that way. Um, in fact, it is extremely rare, even at large bureaucratic organizations, for people to be able to tell you day one what your path will look like. And so there has to be an element in a role that I think will really unlock the potential of the, the transitioning you know, military officer of going into an organization that is looking to develop you. Now, what that development will look like, people probably won't be able to tell you that. And I think that's okay. But working either on a team for a manager in a company who's trying to see what muscles this person brings to the table that can flex within our organization and let's move them around up side to side. It will look different one journey to the next. But to your point, you do not want to be hired to fill a role. You want to be hired um, really to be developed as an individual. And I think firms that get that will get a lot more out of the people in general, not just for the, not just for the veterans, but for sure, the vets, I think, have a tremendous amount of potential that can get wasted if it's brought in to just fill a seat. Right. And that, it, it, and that is still the language we use. You know, we talk about our companies like Chatham and all the other companies that you interview with, the ones that come to us and still rec you know, recruit with some of it from the last conference, whether it be Boston Scientific or consulting yep. firms like Protivity or Liberty or PepsiCo, you know, we can boil down what they're looking for. It's the ability to lead people, whether that be cross-functionally, clients or teams, solve problems, manage projects, and then potential. So I always say it's the four Ps, people, problems, projects, potential. That is the development candidate. And you can put everything that a company's looking for when they come to Cameron Books in one of those four buckets. But it's a great what you just mentioned. I think it's a great segue into this next part. You know, your point on it, be flexible on on what's out there because you might find a fit that you never knew really existed, like a Chatham, and really end up really liking it. But you also use this when we were talking before we started. You've continued to use this this um, kind of thought process of flex flexibility or. Um, career man in your career management and you didn't mention this yet but I want to make sure you do bring this up being uncomfortable so talk about yeah. that not only maybe in the transition piece but also how you've used that and heard from your mentors or how you're using this flexibility and being uncomfortable in roles as you manage your career uh, now that you are in business yeah no I, I think it's um I think it's something that again is 
I wouldn't say it's a weakness of the military, but you take for granted while you're in there this element of um, actively managing your own career. Uh, the military does that for you for probably the first, you know, 30% of your career. It's somewhat, you know, in your purview for the next 30%. And then maybe towards the tail end, you are sort of creating your own billets and navigating very directly with your detailers. But in corporate America, that is not how it works. <laughs> there are no detailers. Um, you don't necessarily have a known horizon to the role that you're in at any given time. Um, and so you have to be a lot more active in what managing your career looks like. The flip side of that, though, is I think there needs to be some element of you need to give things a little bit of time to figure out really what the lay of the land is. Corporate America does not typically move as quickly as the military does. And so, you know, just take the, the time horizon for making decisions and, and really increase it sometimes painfully, painfully longer. <laughs> Um, and so one of the things that I think was helpful for me when I first started at Chatham, uh, I had a manager uh, who became a mentor, and I would definitely highlight that those are not necessarily the same thing, and you need both, uh, especially as you transition into a, you know, a new role in corporate America versus the military, um, but really helping give me some insight on kind of what appropriate horizons for sort of evaluating you know, your comfort level. Um, you don't want to move or try and pivot or try and uh, jump around internally, for sure, not externally, um, you know, every six, eight, nine, 12 months. In the military, you sort of have sometimes very time boxed activities that sort of get you to think in that mindset. Um, in corporate America, it doesn't work that way. And I think you do kind of have to put yourself in a position where you're evaluating one year, two year, five year. Um, kind of decision-making horizons. And so as you roll through your career, at least what I've done is kind of tried to have those, what, what I define as short-term objectives, which are really at the one-year tenor, kind of medium-term milestones, call that that two to three-year, and even sort of where do I see myself in the quote-unquote future, but that doesn't extend past five years at most. So like I've certainly tried to, you know, on that advice from that, that first boss, um, tried to have those conversations um, both internally to the firm as well as externally with mentors to kind of get that feedback of hey this is you know very tactically like the tactics in the military is on a daily basis you know in in my experience a tactical level of decision making at the one year mark in corporate america is more appropriate just because it doesn't move that quickly and you have to give your you have to be patient during that kind of one year of kind of working things out you're planning for that two to three. And then from a career management standpoint, really, you know, having those conversations about, you know, what, what does a five-year development kind of thought process trajectory look like? That's very different than the military. And I think um, it's important to not try and solve the five-year problem with the same level of urgency as you're dealing with the one-year tactical considerations. Um, and that sort of horizon management and just being comfortable with uncertainty beyond certain horizons and also purposely pushing horizons further out from a I'm uncomfortable today, but I'm going to be fine with being uncomfortable for the next 12 months. Uh, I think I think military folks can do that. I think the horizons, though, that corporate America really will benefit from you being able to shift your mentality to will be will be helpful, though, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does absolutely make sense. And 
Um, I'm sure you don't have an opportunity to be a regular listener to the podcast because you're super busy. And, and a lot of what we talk about is more relevant, even though what you're talking is re really relevant to our alumni. Um, uh, I think the majority of their listeners are the junior officer candidate. And last, the, it's the last podcast that I did. Um, I didn't have a guest. Um, instead, I talked a, a lot about what you're talking about, but more so about the transition itself. And, yeah. and I talked about like so many people get caught up on the near term, on the short term. Yeah. Yeah. Not realizing the impact of the decision that you make on something short term, on what that does to you long term. And is short term important? Yeah. I, yes, the short term is important. But I, what I was saying is I encourage you to wait the longer term. Where does this go with three, four, five years heavier than the short term? And what I likened it to was, is um, hiking. So we were talking about some hobbies and things like that before we got onto, the, um, onto the, the podcast. One of my hobbies used to be when I was in my 30s and early 40s, every vacation, I would go hiking in a national park. And I still love it. I'm just... Now that my, I got half my kids out of the house, I go visit them instead and don't have time to do it. But when I was hiking a lot, I never chose a hike of what I was going to do based on the trailhead. I never picked it yeah. on where I was going to start. I always picked it on like, what was I going to get to do and see along the way? And actually, a lot of times what I picked, some of them, I didn't get to see or do much along the way. But when I got to the destination, the the view of what I got to see or the lake that I got to go to was awesome. It was incredible. And I think there's a lot of parallel that we we want the destination the, the starting point to be the end to, to be the end point and the journey. But it's not. It's a starting yeah. point. Yeah. And we overweight it instead of thinking, what does this do for me in the next five years? I don't know exactly where it's gonna take me. But I know if I do this and I go on this trail for the next three to five years, when I get to the end of it, there's going to probably be a really good vista or there's going to be a bunch of trails that branch off from it that I can go and do other things. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a super good point. And I think it is, it's interesting. And maybe, you know, the, the revised, you know, observation for me would be that, that kind of one, three, and five, and kind of prioritize your one-year goals and your three-year or two-year with the mind towards, I think that is probably a more effective way to look at it once you're in a career and now you're sort of managing day-to-day -day and thinking about development. I would agree with you 100% as you're, as you're looking at a transition in particular, if you place all the emphasis on the let me find the transition that will be easiest in the near term. The skills that I will have to deploy are most analogous to the skills I have to do today. The location of the job is the closest to where I live today. Um, things of that, even comp, like candidly, if you try and chase what is going to be m most similar to where you are today with no um, medium or longer term set of objectives, I think to your point, you will completely miss potentially uh, a far greater upside. Uh, so I, I completely agree. And I think they're complementary concepts very much. Uh, I think, you know, maybe the way I framed it up was probably more relevant for folks once they're in roles, but I couldn't agree more that when you're looking at that transition, all of those things, you know, like location, skill set, you know, comp, those are relevant um, and should be part of the decision. 
but I think you have to have a slightly longer longer view to make sure that you're not just kind of going for what the easiest solution is today. Mike, you've been great. I've taken up a lot of your time already um, on this um, uh, on this uh, Friday morning, and I really appreciate you sharing your insight with, you know, as you said, it'll be six years in April of a lot of hindsight and experience beyond you've been incredibly successful at Chatham. Chatham's been successful. So um, just, you know what you're talking about. And I thank you for sharing that insight with the listeners. Um, and if there's anything that Cameron Brooks could continue to do for you or for Chatham, always please just reach out to, to anybody on the team or to me. And thank you again for taking the time to, to talk to talk to our listeners. Always happy to, uh, to connect you all. I think the, uh, the Cameron Brooks process was instrumental for me to facilitate a transition. I mean, I can say unequivocally, I would not have had the opportunities that I've had um, if it was not for the opportunity to get to work with Cameron Brooks. So I think the, uh, the, the offer is uh, reciprocal. If there's ever anything I can do to help, uh, to kind of help communicate some thoughts to uh, potential candidates, to folks making the transition or to the Cameron Brooks team as a whole, always happy to, uh, always happy to help. Great, Mike. Thank you again. I'll put your LinkedIn profile inside the uh, the post, and um, you might have one or two people that listen to the podcast that reach out and look for advice. Thank you again. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks, Joel. Once again, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast. Hope you found this useful, helpful, and thinking about your career. As always, feel free to email me at joel at cameron excuse me at joel at cameron brooks dot com. And uh, you can always call me as well at 210-874-1502. can text me there also. Uh, find us on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com, as well as our book, PCS to Corporate America, on Amazon. Look forward to the next episode.